A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Pod. I'm Rob D. Catch me on X at Dead Pull Hitter. My guest today is Dustin McComas. You can find him on X at Dustin L. McComas, 2Cs, 1M. He's the senior editor over at 5Tool. That's F-I-V-E-T-O-O-L. Dustin hosts a podcast as well at 5Tool Podcast. And Dustin's really involved with the scouting side of baseball. So we try to intertwine how scouting may have some relevancy on the fantasy baseball side of things. What stuff that maybe we should be looking at, what stuff that maybe we shouldn't be looking at, and try to tie in all the narratives we built into our biases when we evaluate players. So the first half of the podcast is talking all about that stuff. The second half is talking about how Dustin fared last year in his fantasy baseball leagues. And this will be a two-part episode. The next episode will actually be all about 2024 player analysis, how to what we see in the draft champions landscape at the moment and the early results for ADP in the 12-team online championships over at the NFBC. Hope you come over to the Pull Hitter Patreon. Go to patreon.com, put Pull Hitter Fantasy in the search bar. Got a lot of stuff going on here. You get access to the Discord when you sign up, which is over 270 people right now lively chats all day long about fantasy baseball. Helping each other through player analysis, sharing draft board strategies, all that fun stuff. And I'm doing player breakdowns, draft breakdowns, and have analysis going on every day all throughout the season. So come check it out over at the Patreon Pull Hitter Fantasy Baseball. Welcome to the Pull Hitter Podcast, your destination for actionable fantasy baseball advice. I'm Rob D, the Dead Pull Hitter. Got a special guest tonight, Mr. Dustin McComas. Dustin, it's been a it's been a while. You probably think I'm the biggest flake and trying to get, <laughs> get started, but we've been trying to get this going for a while, but finally we're here. What's going on, man? Thank you for joining me. Yeah, man. It's it's an honor. Um you helped me so much. I do a lot of driving in the spring with my job and in the summer as well and um you help those drives go faster for me with with the great guests and the great podcast. But um, everything's great. Um, got the kids down a few hours ago, and they didn't put up much of a fuss. Got the dog calmed down beside me. And uh, I've got two slow drafts going right now, two DCs going right now. So um, things are going well. And, uh, yeah, glad I can make this work, man. I consider this podcast to be, you know, the premium, premium podcast for fantasy baseball stuff. So in uh, the Discord as well, man. I spend so much time in the Discord and the great community you guys got going on there. And, if anybody's listening and, and considering it, man, make the plunge. The content, the Discord, it's 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 more than worth it. So uh yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate those kind words. It's uh it's been a long road and travel here, and it's cool. It's it's cool getting to meet all 
all you guys, you know, through through this crazy little hobby that we have. And fully agree, man. The Discord is popping as of now. It, there's so many people sharing things, and it's pretty wild. I mean, there's sometimes where I go check in, I'm like, 110 messages. Yeah. It's been 45 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I literally need, like, an assistant just to bring me up to speed. Yeah. I'm, like, reading everyone's stuff, and it, it's, it's, it's awesome, though. Because it's, it's, uh, I think it's just all making each other better, which is really awesome to see. And, um, fold two, so two DCs right now, man. That's, uh, yeah, I just finished one. So I got two at the moment, plus the, plus the Discord draft. So it's three, but it's, it's, as we were just saying, it's just sometimes I just can't focus on anything else because constantly checking my team to see if I'm on the clock. And then, deciding whether if you're like three picks away whether you should start pre-prepping that pick or then come back to it because then instead of spending 20 minutes you you end up spending like an hour and a half um and it's you know but it's good to be in the zone and and, and you know having two drafts up is that's great action yeah, it's uh like I, I told you before he's jumped on here. You end up doing deep dives on guys you've already <laughs> did deep dives on and all sorts of stuff. It's like why am I why am I spending thirty minutes on this guy again? You know, why I've, does I've that happen? This... Why yeah. does our brain do that? I don't know. I, I think it's <laughs> it's it's kind of like the second guessing nature and yeah. also the fact that we have so much time between picks. You know, it's like oh, I got this time. You know, I can play that. Whereas you know, you get into the fast drafts, it's like you don't have that time. Uh, you just got, I keep telling myself always like, this is practice for all of the fast drafts. You know, when you get in there, it's like, all right, I've prepped myself with all these deep dives and thinking through rosters and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, no matter what we do, man, it's like, ah, I'm three picks away. All right. I'll, what do I want a pitcher or maybe these five pitchers or this guy or what happens here? And it's, just, it's inevitable every single time, every single time. And, oh man, I don't know. I, I, I tried to eliminate that this year by by writing little notes at the end of like my leaderboard on my spreadsheet mm-hmm. for each player, just a quick, quick thing. And I'm still bypassing the notes and being like, let me just check if I missed anything. And it, oh man, it's just, it, it's just wild. But that's why I prefer the fast draft too. Cause I don't, I just want to make that quick snap decision, you know, and then just move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easy. I haven't done my uh, my Champions League qualifier drafts yet. Um, I'm saving those, but um, those are going to have to be fast drafts for sure because I, I can't imagine the agony of, like, sweating every pick on a slow clock for the Champions League. Like, yeah, I, I'd start pulling my hair out. I'm excited that you're a part of that. It's, it's fantastic. We're, I think, up to 88 contestants um and i think the over under was set at 63 wow yeah yeah that was the original over under that that we were given um by someone who no longer works for the company but (laughs) uh and uh toby has single-handedly brought it to this this number right here it's uh it's pretty cool to see all different um you know Everybody, everybody's people who haven't played NFBC and who have joined this format, which is wild. That's exactly what Toby was looking for to just have people come and 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 try out the you know, try out the site and um, get just just go up against this cool little format with three different leagues to try to see who's the most, you know, well-rounded player. I mean, we could 
we could have made it even deeper when we, you know, when I was at first having the thoughts about it too, I was like, well, we could just make it five and just add a best ball in there too. And this, you know, you can really make it, it's like, see how, how really, uh, you know, uh, good you are in all different kinds of leads, but like three is enough right now to start with. And I'm pretty excited to see that. So you haven't done those drafts yet. The, the DC, the DC's my champions league qualifier was completely, uh yeah i've never second guessed more picks this whole off season than in that draft i was on the wheel at 15 which was tough as it is um and i was like why why am i thinking like this but then you know um someone told me hey you know uh i was like agonizing over one category because i just wanted to be so so balanced and it's like hey you know just it's gonna be 30 categories total on this overall so if one of them is not great it's not the end of the world i'm like oh yeah good point so <laughs> good to have friends put that in put that in perspective for right. me you know like because it is true but enjoy that one because uh <laughs> yeah like i said you're going to be really making decisions that you're like shit and make the right one um but that's awesome so let's get to know a little bit about you and your and your background what you do because i think you gotta you know i i think you i think you do some things that people would really be cool to hear about yeah so uh i spent for a long time um well first off i grew up playing baseball playing baseball basketball um football i was from a suburban houston uh spring client area um, I was the first one uh, born in Texas. Uh, all my family's from like the Pitts, greater Pittsburgh, Ohio area out there. Um, grew up playing baseball, basketball, football. And like I, I didn't realize it at the time, but like I hit my talent peak when I was like 9, 10, 11 in baseball. <laughs> Me too. Um, I, I, was, I was like really, really, really good. Um, and then you just kind of think you're just going to keep going up. And I uh, wasn't really blessed physically. Um, so I kind of, you know, hit, hit five ten, and that's, that's the, when the growing stopped and everything mm -hmm. else and, um, played baseball through high school, played football. Um, I actually went to Louisiana tech my freshman year, um, to play baseball, kind of like a preferred walk on type deal. I got a bunch of academic scholarship money and they say, Hey, you can come, you know, compete for a roster spot. I got there and I was like, man, I'm. I'm not that good. And it's a job now. Like you don't realize, you know, when, when you get to that level, like how much work goes into it until you see it and you do it. Yeah. Um, so I transferred to the university of Texas, became a student and uh, I spent 15 years uh, covering the university of Texas as a reporter. And that's um, one of the reasons why I appreciate, you know, the meatball discord so much is that I worked for a website called orange bloods. That was, um, it was like you take you take newspaper type coverage, but it was all published on a message board. So the driving component was the community. And, you know, we had 10,000 subscribers um, who were all diehard Texas fans. But the beauty of it was it turned into a place where Texas fans would talk about, hey, I'm going to New York. You know, do you have any recommendations for restaurants or, um, hey, I'm looking for a realtor in Dallas or um, just things like that to where. The community bonded over one thing, but it turned into a real community with like happy hours and friendships and all that sort of stuff. So um, that was fun. And, and I kind of got a, you know, I covered college football, college basketball, college baseball all through. But baseball has always been my passion and specifically kind of like the scouting evaluation side. So 
2021, I, I joined a company called Five Tool Baseball and uh, started in 2013. And it's long story short, it's, it's like a summer baseball company. So like we put on a lot of tournaments in the summer, you know, your select baseball type stuff and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but they launched a new website and they needed somebody to do a lot of the writing and kind of the evaluation, the scouting, because we have a lot of relationships with college coaches and pro scouts. And, you know, like when we go out and see guys, they kind of need somebody to relay, Hey, this is what we saw. This is what's going on. So that was like right in my wheelhouse. And I thought, I was like, man, this is, exactly what I want to do because I wanted to get into pro baseball and uh, uh, a year went by and actually did get an opportunity to go into pro baseball. Um, got a job offer, um, took it. And uh, three days later I called him back and I was like, I don't think I can do this. So I got offered an area scout job and uh, I'm a big believer in like signs. And okay. uh, one of the Rangers, um, not front office people, but, but um, somebody called me was like going through like, Hey, this is what you do for this. This is how we file this. You need this credit card for this. And like driving my kids home from daycare who at the time, my son was like two and a half and my daughter was like six months old and they're screaming their heads off in the back. <laughs> like, and I'm like on the phone, like, like trying to take in all this information and they're just like yelling and yelling. And I got home and I was like, I, I can't do this, you know, like for, for people who don't know, like an area scout, I mean, you're out a lot. Like, um, you know, for me, it would have been um, South Louisiana and South Texas. So I would have been gone a lot. Um, you know, it would have been um, my wife raising the kids a lot and um, that sort of thing. Those guys work tough hours. It's, it's not great pay for the hours. Um, so I ended up and passing on and that's I'm sorry, but that's like that area for all for, for high school, high like school, everything. junior, yeah, high school, junior, college, college. So anybody gotcha. that's elig eligible for the draft. Okay. Um, so it's you know if you've got South Louisiana, you're you're spending weeks in Louisiana, basically just pack up the suitcase and stay there for a while. I mean LSU, yeah. gosh, LSU alone now they have like 12, 13, 14 draft guys a year. It's incredible Jeez. the amount of talent they're getting there. Um, so like, I was like, here I am. I thought this is what I wanted to do. And I was like, man, in my gut, I just don't feel like this is the right time in life to do it. Um, had to call him back and, and, <laughs> and say thanks, but no thanks. Uh, but I'm basically doing a lot of that stuff now. It's just not with, with a team. Um, and it's fun because, you know, we take great pride in kind of helping kids get an opportunity, like, you know, kids that are talented enough that just need a little bit more exposure and they need a little bit more networking or something like that just to keep people in the game. Cause who knows what happens, you know, like right. maybe you go into coaching, maybe you turn out to be really good. Maybe you turn out to be in scouting or media or, or, you know, player development or whatever it is, you know, just those relationships that happen and, and just that growth and staying in the game and things like that. So um, we were kind of the first to really take the iPhone and the video component and cover baseball that way. So like if you come to one of our events and you strike out nine guys, it's recorded, it's published on the internet, it's put on your profile page on our website. Um, and for football and basketball, they'd always had that, but baseball was just tougher because of the nature of the sport. And that really helped our growth and things like that. So um, baseball junkie uh, through and through. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my life. That's awesome. That. uh I believe in signs too. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to, like you said, you just have to believe what you're feeling. Trust and, the gut. Yeah. Yeah. You got to trust the old gut for sure. Um, 
So, oh, that's cool. So you are you like doing scouting now for just for the just for your company, or are you just um, helping them get out the word for the players? Yeah, it's um, so we cover all high school stuff, a little bit junior college, but but all high school stuff. So we're pub like we're publishing all that stuff online on nice. our website, um, and then all the videos like go on Twitter and also go online on the profile pages and stuff like that. So that's cool. I'm doing a lot of that for them. Um, in the public space, but it also helps us kind of facilitate those relationships with the college coaches and the pro scouts and things like that to kind of like keep those, those things going, um, you know, keep those coaches coming to our events, keep the pro scouts coming to our events and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it all goes in the public and then we just kind of, you know, it helps us keep those relationships going. That's awesome too. Just trying to help, uh, you know, you got the bona fide guys that are just definitely going somewhere and it's just, it, it it's good to help, you know, someone who just may not have that opportunity or yeah. that that awareness, uh, you know, to, and give them the outreach to reach other other places. That's that's good. That must make you feel like really good about making that connection too. Oh, it's the best. It's yeah. it's the best. And you know, I don't think the average fan realizes, you know, from baseball recruiting, like they just at the D one college level, they just now got three full time paid assistant coaches. They used to only have two. So, you know, you think basketball staff, I mean, it's a big staff for 13 scholarship players. Football has a massive staff. And then also, like, when these guys are playing their college season, the high school season's going on. So it's not like they can get out often and, and watch kids. So they're basically cramming a lot of the recruiting into the summer. And you're, ju you're just going to miss guys, you know, just from a sheer volume, amount of time you have, all that sort of stuff. So, but, yeah, that's, that's the – you can't beat that feeling of – you know, you shine a light on a guy that's a really talented player, just needs a chance, and he gets that chance. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's kind of a negative feedback industry sometimes when you get you know parents and people kind of complain about stuff, but nothing beats like when a parent reaches out and says, "Hey, thank you for covering my son. You know, he just committed to so and so." I mean, that's there's, that's that's, really that's cool. why we do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cool. So I want to ask you some some stuff about the scouting side and just, you know, all that and tie it into fantasy. But first, just, I guess, break down when you started playing fantasy and when you got started playing in the NFBC. Yeah. Uh, started playing fantasy a long time ago. Um, ESPN leagues. I mean, mm -hmm. gosh, like used to play like um, eight team, like head to head leagues. Uh, wow. And wow. like, I, I it was one it, it was like when Luis Gonzalez was in his prime because I always remember Luis Gonzalez was like a really like when he played for the Diamondbacks was an early early pick and um I didn't know it then how sick it was what I was doing at that age but I was like streaming pitchers all the time like <laughs> I would only draft closers and then I would just stream starting pitchers so I'd win wins and strikeouts every week no matter what hope you get lucky with the ratios and then you're winning saves and you just load up on the hitting categories um and gosh like that was probably like 1998 1999 something like that and um i actually fi i finished like 12th overall one year but like back then you didn't win anything like yeah. you just got you just got a shirt you know like um so i got into it then and i kind of fell out of out of the loop with it because a lot of my friends just weren't into baseball as much as i were I like to play like you know really 
diehard, or at least like set a lineup all the time, fantasy baseball. So I kind of fell out with it and just kind of did a lot of football stuff. And I don't even know how I found the MFBC. I think it was probably just one of those weird Twitter tubes you go in like a Mario deal. You hop down and, oh, whoa, what is this stuff? Um, you kind of start clicking through and things like that. So my first league was in 2019. Um, and I remember telling my buddy, like who had played before, I was like, I, I didn't even know how to set like the Monday through Friday and then the Friday through like I didn't even know that was a th- like, what is this? Like you 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 set your lineup twice a week, like what what's going on here? Um, but I got I, I got hooked on it just because the, the interface and you know the strategy involved and the uniqueness of it and all that stuff. Then played a bunch of teams the pandemic year, which um, you know, geared up for that and, and got super into it and um, kind of got my butt handed to me a little bit, which is kind of like a, whoa, okay. Like I've got to, if I'm going to compete in, in at this arena, like I've, I've got to really understand what's going on. So um, been hooked ever since then. Um, you know, 2022 was, was definitely my strongest year I've had so far. Um, 2023, eh, it was okay. Um, it was kind of a tease. Uh, but really, it's just I got hooked just the, the the website and the interface and how it functions and then the community aspect. I actually started kind of like Internet meeting people and then you go to Vegas um, and it's like now Vegas is like the thing I look forward to, you know, most in the year. And it's not just the draft, like because my last two main events, my only two main events ever have been terrible. Uh, but it's seeing people, you know, it's, it's, it's bumping into people. It's, it's sharing those conversations and those dinners and those drinks and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's a really cool uh, community of, of, of people who share this, uh, this crazy hobby that we do. 100%. If anyone has never been or doesn't play in the NFBC and wants to understand what we're talking about, if you have a home league that you love and everyone gets together and the draft in those three or four hours that you're together awesome and your favorite times of the year picture that with like 50 60 100 people and doing it for multiple days it's 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 absolutely um yeah it's it's so funny because you just said luis gonzalez and it's been gonzalez been stuck in my head and and (laughs) i I remember when i first um really started getting into like analytics and uh just reading baseball hq for the first time and getting on their site and that's when i really started okay this i've been doing this wrong for however long i was playing you know just casually oh yeah at the, like last 14 and just like all right who's got the most ribbies man i'm gonna pick this guy up you know i had no idea what i was doing um but Car- uh, carlos gondolas was like one of the first players cargo Oh man, cargo. And it's so funny because I, I pulled his name came up the, uh, recently with um, a friend of mine. And I was like, man, remember cargo? And he was, I just remember he was like the, such a big part of, uh, he was a guy I always wanted, <laughs> you know, when I first started really getting in um, to fantasy playing Roto and all that. And so I actually brought up his page um, the other day and um I'm going to ask you this question because obviously this is, this is something I've been doing recently. And I think I made, I may do something with it. I may make it like a little segment in the discord or, um, but like, it was like players that we don't remember or recall like their barrel rates or their max EVs, because I don't know, like when it first came out Statcast, a lot of us really still weren't really paying attention to just that. Right. Um, so 
give me your best guess at what Carlos Gonzalez's max EV was in his career. So he played Ooh. that cast started 2015. So he got like five seasons in with that cast. And that was mm. his like last five seasons of his career. Yeah. I remember he, he was kind of like a shooting star. Like he burned bright and wow, then it kind of, did. it kind of like, like when it was prime cargo, it was prime cargo. 285 uh, career here to 234 home runs. Pretty good, pretty good career. Man, I want to say he. I don't. I want to say he didn't hit the ball that hard. It's no, like, he did. He did. He did. Was it? Was it insane? Was it like one fourteen or something it's like 118 that? One eighteen three. Oh my gosh! He actually. So listen to this. His uh, this is starting twenty fifteen. His max EV in that year was one seventeen. The next year was one eighteen. The Holy next year was one seventeen. The next year was one eighteen three. And then his final year, he still hit a ball one fourteen. I was like, did was the but their camera's right back. Like, what what was his last year? It's it's been 20, a minute. 20, 2019. Okay, so do you believe like, he played that recently? I mean, I thought no, it was. No, I, I, I would have guessed was, like 2017 or something like that. I was, yeah. I, I feel like a too. guy like that now in this era would be getting second chance after second chance after second chance because of just how hard he hit the ball. Absolutely. That's he. And it's weird because he only mirrored it with like six, seven, eight percent power rate, but like he just stung the ball super hard when he could. Um, it was just interesting to see that. I was like, "Holy shit, that's uh, that's that's, that's pretty impressive." <laughs> you know? that's and like that was at the latter stage of his career. Yeah, yeah, at the latter stage of his career too. So, um, okay, so I wanted to talk about some some cool like intangible stuff, stuff that. Mm -hmm you can't put a number on stuff that would drive Jeff Zimmerman crazy because you can't put a number <laughs> on it. You know, those things, because I love those things that we can't measure, but we want to try to factor into our evaluations or whatever we, you know, we, that's what we do. We build narratives of players or narrative of, of, yeah, this, this, this means something, you know, I know it does. So just a couple, um, I don't know. Wherever you want to start, just pick something um, that you want to bring up to just or or we could talk about the one the one piece of article that I uh, I copied and pasted from the discord talking about, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know, it was just so interesting for me talking about players vision. And um, that was an interesting article. Like I, I, I remember reading it and being so, I guess, overwhelmed at, at almost the fact that there's like a whole side that, again, that we can't measure or we don't know about that truly is unknown to us. <laughs> and it's yeah, true. no, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great way. I mean, we kind of, we kind of don't know what we don't know with a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, with, with the intangible stuff, first off, it matters, you know, like, yeah let's say I'm an area scout or, um, you know, let's say I'm an area scout, like, you've got to get the tools right, you know, and that's, that's the easy part. Like you go sit on a kid a few times, especially if they're a college player, you get a feel for what can they hit? What's the power like, you know, what's the defense? Like if you, if they're a pitcher, if you see a couple outings, you've got a pretty good feel of the stuff. Like the tools are, are, are the easy part. Now you, you know, you bear down on the guys that could be making six, seven, eight million dollar signing bonuses because you've got to really make sure you got you, that get that stuff right. 
But if you're an area scout, like your biggest job really is to nail the makeup. Like, cause that is, it's a, it's, it's probably the hardest thing to figure out and B it's probably the thing that matters. I don't know if, if the most is fair, but it, it certainly matters just as much as the talent level, because, you know, that's going to be what allows that talent level to come through. And I'll give you a good example. Um, uh, back, golly, what was that? 2013. Um, I went to the, uh, Pirate Scout School. Um, they have a scout school every year. Basically, they invite some prospective, you know, potential scouts down the road or people they they might be interested in hire and um, and stuff like that. And it was an, a really eye opening experience. But I'll never forget sitting around a table with, you know, a couple cross checkers, um, longtime scouts, and things like that. And you know, Josh Harrison came up, and you know, Josh Harrison, not very physical, small guy, undersized. Um, you know, if you're looking at a scouting report for Josh Harrison, he's probably got a lot of fours and fives, you know, a lot of average below average, you know, type of stuff like, um, does a lot of things well, but doesn't really have that plus tool. Well, how long has Josh Harrison been in the big leagues? I mean, he keeps getting job after job after job, (laughs) even if it's a bench job. Um, and at the time he was with the pirates and they used him as a good example. It's like, look, we have guys in our minor league system that don't have the tools that Josh Harrison has, but because of Josh Harrison's makeup, he's able to get the absolute most out of what he has. And um, it allows him, you know, to, to perform. It allows him to handle things mentally. And it also allows him to be a really good teammate. Um, and it's not a, I mean, you, you can see guys around major league baseball all the time. These guys that just keep getting jobs, you know, because, and that's one of the reasons why is, is the makeup component. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, you know, there's, there's guys in the minor leagues that have immense talent and, you know, maybe the makeup just, um, just isn't quite there and they're never going to be able to realize their talent. Um, so it's, you know, from like the, like the baseball scouting side, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge part of what's go, going on. I mean, you know, when they do the, uh, they wouldn't be draft, um, I forget what they use for it, but it's kind of like the combine or things like that. They invite a bunch of top prospects out there. Like, the most critical thing teams do is they'll have their this top decision makers is bring kids through and they'll just talk to them, you know, just try to figure out a little bit more about them, you know, what makes them tick, um, you know, just try to get as, as much makeup information um, as they can. So it's to me, like with my prep process, I don't I, I mean, if I had just unlimited time, the most time I would dedicate to my prep process would be to read the news. Like, I really think that that's where you can learn um, a lot. And it's not just about like playing time and things like that, but it's, you know, it's kind of like the feature stories or, you know, the podcasts or or things like that, because it always amazes me. Like these baseball guys are extremely candid, um, especially on podcasts. Like they're going to tell you what they're going to tell you what they think. Like, you know, they're not going to hold back. Like um, you can figure out real quick if they like a guy, if they don't like a guy, like what they think about certain players um, kind of what makes them tick and things like that. So um, it's a big deal. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to nail that sort of thing. Um, I think that there are, you know, you you kind of figure out over time, there's probably some examples, good and bad, um, of the whole intangible thing and things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that um, I, I think it really matters. But for us, it's hard to have access to a lot of information yeah. to kind of figure <laughs> figure out. But, but I'm with you, like, you know, like you kind of get gut feels for guys too, just, just watching guys, you know, yeah. like just, 
just the way they play and in their body language and stuff like that. And, and, you know, the people that are evaluating them for a living are doing the exact same thing. It's man, I guess so, so tuned into that. Um, like even at the minor league games, um, I go with my wife and she, she is so locked into those things. She, she immediately is talking about body language and stuff. And, and, and when I see it, I just want to know more. I'm like, what's, what's this guy's deal? Mm-hmm. You know, why does he look like he doesn't want to be here? You know, why is he not going? I don't know. It was like a line drive to short rip and said player was, had a lead from first to second, turned his back and like, didn't jog or hustle or anything back to first. He just walked and he got thrown out and he just walked off the field. And I'm like, what is what is happening? You know, and, and my wife was so livid about it. She's like, what is that guy doing? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Great question. Great. You know, and I know. And it's it's again, like I, I was wondering myself, like what's what's happening with this player? I would love to have. You know, I'll have to go deeper and be like, okay, well, why? I wish I was a scout at that point. I was like, I, I want to find out or, or a detective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on with this player? And, you know, I've seen so many people on the flip side where it's just like, wow, this guy looks like he's really locked into everything. I remember when I saw Bryson Stott, he just was doing everything on the field and pregame that nobody else was doing. You know, mm-hmm. he had he had mannerisms about him that we just I was watching. I'm like, this kid looks like he's so prepared to play <laughs> compared to everybody else. Um and then yeah, like in the majors, you know, I know Jeff Timmerman, he'll talk about he has a knucklehead factor. Oh yeah. You know, and and again, that could be bias or preference or, you know, people will refuse to draft specific players based on, you know, their criminal activity levels, let's just say. Um, but I watch games and some people have rubbed me wrong because of like their body language and stuff. And I completely won't draft them. I don't give a shit. If they're good or bad, you know, like I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like one, it's just, it's just, it's an easy thing that I can quantify in my brain. Can't quantify it in standing gain points, but I can, or dollar value return, but I can say, I'm not rooting for this player. (laughs) Simple as that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I think like Avisil Garcia is probably a pretty good example of that. Like, had the huge year heading into a free agent period and then like got the, got the free agent deal. And it's just like, what happened after that? I think he was like, oh, I think he showed up to camp like the Marlins and just wasn't, wasn't like in the same shape physically. And then just like, we haven't really heard much of Avisel Garcia since it's like, you file that stuff away, you know, like um, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like that's, that's why that sort of stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, staying on the field and things like that. Like, whereas a guy like, Nolan Arenado, it's like, dude, that guy's like, got to be in a wheelchair not to play, like in the work 100%. ethic and everything, and everything like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, there are definitely you know definitely extremes and, and that sort of stuff matters. Um, but I know, yeah, I know you mentioned the uh, the S two cognition deal about you know when you're talking about the, the vision testing things like that. Um, it's uh, so yeah, that thing we, just blew my mind because I, I I like part of me is like, 
what what exact i always think about this but what what do they have in the clubhouse like what are they charting for each individual player what measurables what levels of like what all their vitals like yeah. i want to know all of it <laughs> i'm so intrigued by that yeah and it's like it's i think people too like the, the average the fantasy player might not realize like how different that is organization to organization like there are, I think, pretty stark differences. Like when you go from one team to another team, how they do player development, what they're tracking, what they're not tracking, where they're investing their money. Um, you know, are they heavy into the biomechanical side? Are they heavy into the analytics side? Are they heavy into both? Are they not heavy into that at all? And they're kind of more old school. Like it, it's it's pretty stark. Like you know how different some teams can be. Um, you know, in those areas, and then. You know, because they they also like they protect that stuff so much. So it's like the secrets don't really get out, you know, but like then you'll see teams just start trying to hire guys from certain organizations because they're trying to figure out, okay, what is Tampa doing that we're not? You know, like what is Cleveland doing with pitchers that we're not like, you know, like what what's Texas doing on the hitting side? What are the Yankees doing with, <coughs> excuse me, with prospect development? Like, and they're just trying to grab these people from organizations and trying to figure it out because it's such a copycat deal. But um, yeah, it's, it mean, they're, they're tracking all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, in like the S2 cognition stuff, um, it's, it's, we've always kind of wondered like, you know, like, okay, like, can we quantify like how the brain processes stuff as it relates to baseball? Like you kind of hear people say, Hey, you know, that guy has great instincts. Um, okay. Well, like yeah. we can say that we can watch that, you know, but like, how, how do we, how do we know that for sure? And, and can we put a number on that or, um, uh, Hey, you know what, this guy's a, an average runner, but man, he's faster. I mean, there are guys, you know, that last year <clears throat> stole a lot of bases that don't, they don't have great sprint speed, you know, like maybe those guys are just wired in a way that they have good instincts. They get good jumps. They read pictures, they know situations, all that sort of stuff, um, and how they get leads and, and things like that. So, the S2 cognition test. Um, and I actually, I actually took it. Um, it's like these four to five tests and they basically spent years on the neuroscience side studying like what matters and how to test it. And it's like, it's able to kind of break down in certain ways, like, um, like decision-making type stuff, reaction type stuff. Like, like I know one of the tests is like how much you're going to chase pitches and how much you're going to take pitches. And, um, I've, <laughs> I've seen a couple of the results for big leaguers and, uh, it, it could not be more accurate when you look at like O swing and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but they've been able to like, kind of quantify that. And like, their their really? thinking is we're, we're arming the player development people with the information that like they can take and like, Hey, this is how this guy is processing things. Like you'll see it sometimes too. Like, there are guys that might have like, oh, I think this guy's going to really hit. And then, you know, the swing looks good. Like he's athletic, like he's got bat speed and like he just doesn't hit for whatever reason. It's like, well, maybe he's just not processing what he's seeing, um, you know, like another guy who's not as talented, doesn't have a great swing, but like is really wired in a way that he's just going to be able to put the bat on the ball um, at a high rate. So like, and then it would give you a score and like, um, you know, my jaw would drop at just like, I'd see these kids go through these tests and the people that had the scores don't know anything about these kids at all. 
and they get a little like a basically a bar graph and it kind of like you rate here 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 and he'd look at the bar graph and go you struggle with sliders loaded away you struggle with velocity um you swing a lot you take pitches a lot and these kids jaws would drop so like how do you know that <laughs> um so it's, it's becoming pretty popular i know they have um i think like one or two teams in each division have access to it and you've kind of seen it too like with the nfl draft with quarterbacks it was a big deal um actually the guy that had the highest score i i'd, I'd ever seen in, in the data um was joe burrow um, wow. With okay. yeah, which kind of makes sense. Like you know, Joe Barrow. Joe Barrow's a fine athlete, um, but he's not like jaw dropping. You know, talent and tools and all this sort of stuff. But he could really think. And when those bullets get flying, I mean, he knows where to go with the football and things like that. So, I mean, that's just an example of like all the type of stuff that's that's now out there. Um, you know, and they're even getting to the point where they're able to give these guys tests and they can figure out okay. You, you, this guy is going to chase at these pitches. Like you yelling and screaming at him to lay off the slider isn't going to do anything. That's just how he's wired mentally. You've got to figure out, okay, let's just try to teach you, like, hey, if you see spin in this count, take it. You know, just, just don't swing at it. You know, as soon as you see the spin, if it's a strike, no big deal. You know, we'll live another, another day. So, um, it's fascinating, but like, yeah, all this stuff. I mean, it's a constant arms race in, in baseball with, with the development side and, and, all the stuff they're tracking and, and trying to get an edge and things like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And I, I think there's a big difference between, you know, how certain organizations do it and, and how others are, are years behind um, the ones that are the best at it. Yeah. And too, like just hearing all that. And so a person, uh, a player has these tendencies, this is the way they're wired. And then just maybe even having uh, them just know that and then instilling them and like okay just just be you instead of like yeah. you said fighting against it it's, it's like a level of frustration so it's almost like a a psychology thing where you're just feeding them what they are and then maybe they just excel just because that's just you know them just feeling better about themselves like i don't have to hear this stuff um of what i need to do and just be my best player um it's it's it's, it's really interesting like i there's so many levels to what I would love to know and we'll never know because like, especially for DFS reasons, if someone's heart rate is a little off that day, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, <clears throat> I think it's uh, like, I've been really thinking about lately. It's just like the, the sprint scores on s baseball uh, on Sackass, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. um, I heard some players talking about again, like you were saying, with the players being so candid on on podcasts, it's amazing. I I love listening to the Compound Pod with Ian Happ, um, and Dakota Hudson, and uh, well, no, it's not Dakota Hudson, it's Dakota someone else. Um, I forget his last name, but Ian, um, oh man, what's the uh, the guy, the uh, Zach Short that the Mets just got? Mm -hmm. Um, really cool podcast, and they're always talking just about you know stuff they go through, stuff they're doing. And um, they had a little bit talking about sprint speed and times the first. And, you know, I never really got to think about how much it's influenced by other things and not just their speed. And just are they are they swinging with one hand or two? Like, where does their body end up? You know, like, are they trying to pull the ball a lot? And all that, like, 
influences that number because I know, you know, just trying to figure out stolen bases, like how yep. to really look at stolen bases and look like a lot of people say, oh, it's just attempts or time to first is better than sprint speed or, um, you know, you, you really just need to look at their will. Like there's how many times they get on, how many times the base is free and how many times they go. So obviously, you know, we want to know, we want to really try to quantify as much as we could, but it's like all his numbers are so skewed in some ways because of not really pinpointing someone's speed, you know, per se. It's all these other factors that lead lead to that. So and if you don't know, if you don't watch the player and if you don't understand how they swing and, you know, what an, what they're trying to do at the bat, it's totally affects the sco- uh, scores. It's just, it's just like you said, it's an arms race, there's so many layers of baseball and we'll just trying to figure out like any edge that we could get, you know, and that's why we go so deep into these things because every, it's so competitive that you really need to have some sort of way to be a little bit better than the next person. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not an Excel wizard, so I've got to figure out some, <laughs> yeah. some other way to, to try to get an edge, you know, like I'm yep. like you, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reading the news. I'm listening. I'm, uh, I'm watching um, and thinking about things that way because um, it takes me like, like a, like a couple hours to get my SGP Excel, like get it all aggregated and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I'm sure, you know, the robots adding nine different layers in five minutes and, and getting that thing humming like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. I know I'm so bad with that. Sometimes I, I wish my life was easier in that fashion, but, um, I have time to teach myself and I get better, um, actually, like they're saying, I get better every day. I get better every year with spreadsheets. <laughs> I'll take the incremental uh, movement upwards. But um, let's talk about a big topic of of uh, fantasy uh, stuff plus um, and all the pitching models. There's always some debate about what kind of level of accuracy does it bring? Is it necessary? Mm-hmm. You know, do you need to look at that, or can you just look at you know the same? metric that we always used to is there some combination of them that's better so what is your opinion on like the level of uh, usage i guess we should have in using like a pitch model number to a pitcher analysis yeah it, it's a great question um you know I, I think that we're i would say the majority of us are probably thinking that like pitching is the thing that we need to try to figure out you know you like your hitters but um, you know, if you believe in projections and, and I certainly do, like you can pretty get a pretty good feel for a hitter from the projections and kind of dive through and all right, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. But the pitching side is just, I think, wildly different. So, um, you know, I, I kind of am a, a scout at heart. So I do place some value in, in stuff. Plus to me, I want to know, I want to know that it's kind of like a base layer of like, okay, what's, what's this guy working with, with the understanding of, I still think that it's not capturing everything as accurately as it will the next year and the year after that, those sorts of things. Like I think there's certain components to it. And, and, you know, um, I've heard Eno Saris talk about this and and Lance Brozdowski and and other guys. Like I think there's certain things that still aren't being captured and stuff. Plus, um, you know, I want to say like left-handed change-ups and things like that. Um, are maybe not like being not giving the the love and stuff plus that they should. But um, I, I look at it because um, I kind of want to know, okay, what's this guy working with with kind of a <clears throat> base layer of like, what's this stuff like? Because 
I think that sort of thing is probably going to mirror, you know, what is what a scouting report um, would say about a guy. Um, so I, I go from there and then I say, okay, like to me, the most important thing is I've got to see these two things match up. So like a guy that I've had a, a tough problem with this year is Taj Bradley. Um, if you look at mm, Taj Bradley's yeah. stuff plus, and especially the fastball, it's like really, really good. I mean, you're talking about the, the ride, the vertical movement, the shape, all of these things. You look at the results, not good. Uh, I mean, not even average. I mean, he, he got blasted. I mean, that pitch got hammered a lot last year. So it's like, to me, it's like, okay, I mean, stuff plus is telling me this is one of the better forcing fastballs in baseball. The results are telling me it's one of the worst. So, so what's going on here? Um, is it a tipping thing? Is it a, a command thing? Is it a location thing? What's going on? So that's, that's really how I use it is I, I look at it um, probably first and then I immediately go to the pitch results. Cause to me, I need those two things to match. And if they don't match, I'm going to side with the pitch results more often than I am the stuff plus um, because that's, that's what matters. Um, you know, is, is this pitch getting results? Cause there's a lot of other things that can go into it. Is there, you know, deception in the arm path? Um, you know, is there like the way the fast, like the way the stuff comes out of the hand, like, you know, like where's he standing on the rubber? Like, um, what kind of competitor is he? Um, you know, what, what's his sequencing like? All those sorts of things. I know there's some components that, you know, the Prospects Live guys came out with with Arsenal Plus, which I think is really, really cool because it tries to incorporate how you're sequencing pitches. Like you're not going to get dinged for throwing a one-two slider away that just misses, you know, like because that's a good pitch in that sort of count. Um, so I, I think it I think it certainly matters because you need to have a base layer understanding of what this guy's stuff is like because you reached a big league level. Um, you've probably got to have at least one plus pitch, or you better be able to have a deep arsenal that you can really, really command um in order to have a success success at that level. But to me, it's gotta match what the pitch results are. Like that's what I want to know. Like, how is this pitch performing? Okay. And if they, if they don't match, I need to try to figure out why. And maybe there's something that this guy can unlock. Maybe it's a pitch mix thing. Maybe it's a command thing. Maybe it's a delivery thing. Maybe he was tipping pitches, whatever it is. Um, Got to figure out why those two things don't match. Yeah. I, I start the other way. Actually, I start with the result and just what I've seen and usually go to the number just to see if, if, if just to see how it matches up, you mm -hmm. know? There's sometimes where I look at a player's arsenal and I'm like, this guy looks really good, you know? And then I'll go to uh, look at the pitch grade and I'm like, eh, it's really, uh, what's going on here? You know, how come, <laughs> how come he doesn't, how come they don't like this guy? He, he, he seems to be getting it done. Um, like, uh, you know, again, like not probably it's a poor example, but someone like Colin Ray on the Brewers, he's, he's not great, an average pitcher. But if you looked at his results on his his pitches, you know, he gets above average swing and strike on three different pitches, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, this guy's probably got some good numbers. And then you look at his at his pitch model numbers, and they're like, nope. Like if no one no one paid attention to uh, that, you know, um, side of it. So I don't know. I'm always trying you, to. You just out. named one of my favorite late round DC guys oh, that I drafted great. a couple of times. I love him. Yeah. I completely love him. He's like the guy every time in that range of pitcher, you know, 30, it depends. Well, you know, if I, what kind of, uh, 
team construct I got going on. If I got a couple of extra pitches I feel good, I'll wait. But sometimes I'll just jump him just because, like I said, he's just a he's an average pitcher, but he's a good average pitcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, look at the pitch results deal and, and some other stuff. It's like, for me, last year, that was Wade Miley, same same organization. So I'm, I'm going back to that brewer as well again. Going back Andre. to the well. Yep, yep. I love it. I love it. Um, So... I want to talk a little bit about the Savant like page, looking at the game feed, because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we'll look at the box scores and like how to interpret those numbers. Like, how do you relay the numbers that you're seeing? What are you paying attention to the most? Because I know um, it's also a little bit confusing, too, because um, they don't show like the the movement without um without gravity right so there's like yeah that's, that's like what we really want to know yeah but it doesn't show it that and then you gotta go gotta wait until the next day and put it into a search to really find it so it's like a little bit you know like a pain in the butt that way maybe they'll who knows maybe this year they'll they'll add that but um it's like what are you looking at you know when you're looking at that box score how did it how do you help someone dissect that box score for picture analysis I, I'm looking for changes. Anything that is different from the norm for this pitcher, whether it's maybe he started throwing a breaking ball harder, um, you know, maybe his his four seamer is getting more movement or, or getting less movement. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really looking for: is there anything in this arsenal that might throw up a flag that says, "Hey, there's something going on here that maybe he's trying something new, he's tinkering with something." Uh, or on the flip side, hey, like, um, is there maybe a potential injury issue here? Like, what's going on? Why is the why is the stuff a little bit different um, in a negative way? So, um, and it's like I almost feel like now, like Lance does such a good job after a guy's pitch of putting up his notes. It's like it kind of it's kind of cheating, you know? It's like it's like you get the spark notes from last night's last night's <laughs> box scores, courtesy Lance, but. I'm just really looking for like it's as simple as could be like, is there anything that's different that immediately sticks out? And if there is, I'm going to go try to figure out like, why, like, why is this different? Because to me, like, I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest edges you can get during the season on the pitching side is if you can be ahead of the pack with some sort of change that's happening, like anticipate something that's happening. Like, Maybe he's ditched a sinker and he's done with it and he's throwing everything else like the breaking ball more. Um, or like all of a sudden, like, hey, man, the slider, he's throwing three miles an hour harder. It's not breaking as more. There's something going on here. Or, um, oh, all of a sudden, like George Kirby is throwing a splitter now. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is this is cool. Like he can get more whiffs with that. Like that. So that, that's what I'm looking for is like not anything like super like, you know, it's the, you know, vertical movement like and, you know, like the spin rates and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's kind of funny now. I, I, I've talked to a couple of people um, in baseball who are like, you know, fastballs now, it's like they almost don't really care about the spin rate. It's all about the shape, you know, like how many inches it horizontal run or, or vertical run and like what, how does all that work and using pitches off that. So, but really, I'm just looking for any sort of changes, anything that t- that to me, I'm like, huh. Maybe there's something happening here that can unlock a new level of growth, or maybe there's something happening here that, like, I need to be, I need to pay attention to this guy's next start to make sure that, hey, do I need to bench him or what's going on here? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I've, uh, 
Lance definitely sets the standard with that. And uh, I've been trying, you know, I really tried to mimic as much as I could because really just learning how to utilize all the tools that we have at disposal. So many mm -hmm. different sites, so many different people out there have this just data to look at and um, it's fun. And yeah, I love looking at the differences. Um, it's helped, it, it helped me a lot last year in just determining there's a couple of pitchers I was like, all right, well, this pitch is seems like it's acting a lot better. It's in the zone more. Like, why is it in the zone more? Because, um, like, I remember last year just looking at, Pe at Pepio, um, and I was like, well, he's not walking guys anymore. Why not, right? And just like, it's like, okay, what what pitch historically was never in the in the zone? And it's like, I think the changeup was just like just never even trying to get it in the zone was just completely mm -hmm. wasted. And I was like, oh, wow, the vertical release point on the changeup, like, changed, like, four inches higher. Or, you know, I forgot the exact details, but it it was a different thing. And, and so in your, in in my brain, I'm like, okay, how is this real, too? Is this repeatable? Is this something that's going to stick? And then, like, you just kept, you know, doing it consistently. I'm like, so I guess this is something that they worked on with him. And... Now having like minor league numbers, it's really cool to go back and 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 see that you know when they send the player down to quote unquote work on something, right? Yeah, we're, we're gonna work on this, and then we're all being like, you "Fucking liars! He's not working on that." <laughs> you know, he's like, he made two starts, and he like he hasn't been doing anything differently. You know, um, but yeah, the, those are the biggest things I think. You know, trying to understand how real it is and when to trust it. That's the that's the other thing, you know, I think a lot of us will just like uh, immediately see change and believe in it just yeah. to just because we want to like, oh, I found this and this is what I'm going to use in fab this weekend. And some people are like, I need to see more of it, you know, and the thing is, in, in like the high stakes world, like you don't have time to wait. <laughs> so you gotta, right. you gotta Amen. figure, yeah, like you gotta figure it out, like, and just make, make a make a guess, you know, that weekend in fab, like, am I going to believe this? Am I not? Um, and, and like, same, same thing for, for, for dropping a player. You know, I, I think I dropped a couple of pitchers who I just, maybe I was misled by a couple of pitch, you know, pitch mix changes, mm -hmm. um, in a, in a bad way. I'm like, this, this doesn't look right. This doesn't look the same. Um, I'm going to pass on this guy. And this came back to bite me, you know, like, Oh, well, I guess I was wrong with that, you know, but, um, again, we're all trying to just understand the data and really use it to our best, uh, our best advantage. So, um, I wanted to ask you what, what's the next pitch craze? What are we going to be going gaga for next? I think, uh, I think you alluded it. Yeah. It's, it's a splitter. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're going to see. I think the I think the Mariners are probably going to are going to be at the forefront of this. It seems like they're really a, a lot of those guys that if their guys have, you know, the hand finish, you know, that in the type of thing that fits that profile, um, they're going to try to add a splitter to it. I mean, we've seen there's been some videos of Bryce Miller throwing one. Uh, we know George Kirby last year, um, Logan Gilbert. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I want to say I read somewhere about Brian Wu maybe throwing one as well. Like, yeah, he needs help um, versus lefties. So that's, that's yes. 
Yes. That's the, that's the biggest those, thing. Those splits, man, it's what scared me off of him so far this year. But um, it's and it is interesting, too. Like, I think that pitch has, like, collectively the lowest zone percentage, but, like, the highest chase percentage. So you don't even really need, like, like great command of it. You know, like, if you just can generally throw it, like, either, you know, middle down or down to the dirt you're it's gonna probably work out for you um so I, I think that's i think that's the next craze is is that um and i think also too i think you're you're starting to see i, I mean the sweeper has already been a craze i think we can say that hey that's that's a thing like it's you know everybody's throwing a sweeper um i think cutters too are gonna are starting to come back a little as well you know when garrett cole added his um i want to say it was like in the second half last year uh, it really helped him have much, much better results. And if you're like, you kind of like, if you're looking at like a pitch plot, if you can, you kind of want an arsenal that kind of fills the plot. Like, okay, I can go horizontal this way. I can go horizontal this way. I can go vertical this way. And I can go, you know, down as well. Like I have something that kind of does everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Garrett Cole added in cutter. It just kind of gave him that thing that's like, okay, I have something that can go horizontal this way now. Like guys are kind of getting to my fastball a little more. The velocity is going down. I'm going to add a cutter, you know, that gives him something that looks a little bit like a fastball, but it's kind of getting that break. Maybe you're getting it on the hands of lefties, um, that sort of thing as well. So I, I think cutters are, are probably going to start coming back a little bit more um as well but to me it's it's splitter like anytime a guy adds a splitter i get really excited uh because it just typically it gets a lot of whiffs um and we know whiffs are a good thing definitely the good thing um yeah um it made me believe in kirby a lot more for this season as just you know everyone wants more k's more k's but Mm -hmm. he he really anchors whip so good for you and if he can give you more k's then it's just it's really fantastic. So you bring up Garrett Cole. Um, talk to me about Cole. How do you feel about him this year? Man, I uh, so my prep process really, I'll go through like the first um, few DCs and just download the ADP, and I'll go through like every single starting pitcher that's drafted, and just kind of look at everything. And of course, you start at the top of the list, Strider. Eh, I don't need to waste any time here. Um, you get the, I'm getting the Garrett Cole and I'm like, okay, the velocity's going down the whiffs, the strikeouts, like is, is, you know, is he's his age, like his age finally starting to get to him a little bit. He's not going to be that power pitcher anymore. And I was like, I can't, I can't use that draft um, capital on him. Like late first, early second, like I, I just can't do it. You know, what's the difference between him and, um, you know, how different are he or George Kirby? Um, and then I started looking a little bit closer and I was like, man, he added that cutter. Um, he was phenomenal in the second half. And, you know, he's just the ratios, the wins. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I've done like a, you know, a politician flip-flop where I was like a hard out. And all of a sudden I'm kind of looking at it like, you know what? I, I I could be into Garrett Cole again um, because of that cutter, um, you know, because too, like, I think, you know, it, it, you know, not, not all pitchers can all, you can just put them in the bullpen and say, Hey, we need to add this to your arsenal. Like some guys just can't do it. 
Um, but he's clearly a guy that can. He's always been able to really spin the baseball. He's always been able to throw hard. He's always had good command. Um, so I think that um, I haven't drafted him yet, but I could foresee myself, you know, early second, especially like mid second, if he's sitting there, um, just because of that cutter and just because what it did to his arsenal and like how it gave him um, something that was a little bit different. Um, a little bit shorter horizontally to kind of help that fastball uh, play up again because um, the velocity drop is real. I think the days of him averaging, you know, gosh, like 97, 98, whatever it was, like those days are over. Um, but he can be plenty good averaging, you know, high 95, low 96 with his fastball. Yeah, I was uh... – Are you in or out? I was a, I was like you. I was a hard out to start the season just because if you look at his rolling average graft and you're just like, whoa, yeah, you know this doesn't look pretty. Um, and one one thing that I've I've done every single season, um, it's kind of a practice that Ron Chandler does every year, is he goes through like what's wrong with everybody in the first two rounds, you know, especially the first. Really focuses on the first round because, yeah, like you're not gonna. You know those guys. You just want them to 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 give you a the base stat that you're looking for. Like mm-hmm. obviously they don't. You know there's there's research that shows they're not always going to give you the dollar value that you paid for them. But you just want them to not be a fucking dud. And so I go through that process every year, and I'm looking through, and you know you see the swing and strike rate, you see the K percentage and it's, it's still in like the K percentage is still in a range. That's very good. And K minus walk is fantastic, but you see the swing and strike and you're like, Oh, like what's going on here? You know? Um, and then you just see, like you said, you see the different pitches and you say, oh, is he just changing his approach? Is he just getting older and saying, I have to be a different pitcher and him being so horrible and so good at pitching. Yeah. That's what my, my, my latest thoughts have me thinking like, okay, maybe I was a little too hard on him and maybe I'm a little too snake bitten because last year, um, you know, I looked at Trey Turner and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. And for five fucking months that was right you know um and then he just got hot but he i mean if you look at his rolling average graphing like he's not going to keep hitting this high his own contact and his o swing and um everything is trending wrong like swing a strike it was all going in ways i'm like this looks like a power profile that you know is so hit or miss and um so I'm just second guessing myself because I don't want to take too much stock into me overreacting at first. You know, I think yeah. you can always change. And that's the thing. It just shows growth in me the way I'm analyzing players too. I'm like, okay, like maybe I could just reassess this and stay in my brain. Okay, maybe this is trending in ways that um, it's not comfortable, but it's also not going to be disastrous, right? Um, so I guess that's my level of thinking. And then it's also how close is he to the next guys behind them? You know? So that's what I've told myself too. We get into main event season or something and it gets cute where people will take Corbin Burns and Zach Wheeler ahead of him. Then if he's like there and I want a pitcher, I feel like I, now I wouldn't have a problem doing it, you know? Yeah. But at first I was a really, 
um, a little hesitant, but I'm I I don't have any shares of him. You know, I'm 15 DCs in, no calls. If it uh, it's only Strider in the first round for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Main event season, you know, we're gonna have to make decisions. I, I anticipate a lot of people climbing into the near first round. It's gonna happen. Um, it's just like, who is it gonna be? I'm ready to, you know, do whatever I have to do in that second round to grab a starter at the end of the first, if I want to. Um, but Cole, you know, it's just, I'll be, I'll be okay with it, but I won't be excited by it. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. I mean, and like the, the, the bat just came out. The bat doesn't like. Three eight five. The bat doesn't like any pitchers. I was, I was, I don't know. I, was like the... I know. I'm just freaking out right now. I had it in my aggregator and I looked at my new ranks and I pulled up the dollar value difference, the rank difference. And I, and um, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, it, I was... it is called the bat. Does Cardi just really want us to draft like I nine think hitters? So. The first Maybe that's nine what picks? it is. Maybe you that's know? what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, man, so many of the values are just like, oh, why are you doing this to me? Like, why, why don't you like Kyle Tucker as much as you know everybody else does? Yeah, uh, like, wait so- a minute, Kyle Tucker isn't the second best guy in my in my spreadsheet anymore. What happened here? Uh, yeah. So, um, interesting. It's good stuff on on Garrett Cole. So, um. Let's get into talking about some uh, draft stuff. So tell me how you get ready for the drafts. You you've mentioned the projection seat. Tanner Bell has are you using the Tanner Bell one. Yes, yes, yeah, uh-huh. fantastic tool, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. if you really want to get into that and you don't know how to build your own, so simple. They couldn't recommend it enough. So give us a little scoop down how you getting ready for drafts. Um, if you're doing anything else on top of the projection to like kind of maybe manipulate player ranks, all that stuff. Yeah, um, you know, for me, I, I think the big separ- separator is, um, you know, on the pitching side. And, like, I'll go through um, – it's not necessarily a deep dive for all of them, but I'll probably end up looking at about, like, 120, 150 starting pitchers. Um, just because I always start drafting DCs first, um, I find it works better for me to go through slow drafts. It gets you thinking about the player pool – you kind of start doing dives on players while you're drafting. Um, it's really, I think, the best way you can prep for your your later drafts is to get in the draft room, see how you feel about players, see what the market thinks, um, and then learn about guys as, as you're drafting. Um, but before I, before I get into a DC, I always tell myself, I have to finish my pitchers. So I'll go through, and I'm basically looking at, um, was there anything different? Was there a pitch mix change? Was there a, a shape of a pitch change? Was there velocity change? Um, you know, how do his pitches perform? Like what were the results for each pitch? Um, and I'll kind of go back through, okay, what's the first half, second half look like? What's the left, right look like? What's, are there any changes in the release point? Like basically I'm going through as much as I can find. It's basically like, um, uh, the pitch leaderboard, um, up to Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard, and then like um, the pitcher list profile, the profile pages, maybe Brooks Baseball, Fangraphs. I've got all those tabs open. I'm kind of just going through. It's like, is there anything that sticks out here about like why I think this guy would be better or worse um, than he was last season? So I'll go through all those pitchers because um, to me, I think that's where if you can kind of nail that like pick 200 range of pitchers, you know, like you can you can really have 
a kind of a windfall that really kind of boosts your team. If you get one of those guys and just nail one of those guys, um, you know, the one, the only time I've cashed in an overall was a DC a couple of years ago when it was, um, I went Verlander. I somehow landed on Verlander, Rodon, and Cease, and it was the Cease breakout year. Oh, um, and those nice. guys were all kind of going in that like hundred-ish kind of range. Um, and it's just like if you can nail just just one of those guys on a team, I mean, it really sets you up. So I'll go through all the pitchers and really just kind of nitty gritty, kind of look at. It. And one thing too. I, I think, um, you know, something that maybe people don't do, like I pay very close attention to pitching game logs. Like, mm-hmm. let's like, is there something that, you know, like sticks out like a sore thumb, like, huh? Like he gave a ton of runs this game. Um, or how did he go for a certain stretch? Um, you know, like, did he finish strong? Like, did he have a couple bad starts at cores in Cincinnati? Like, um, you know, for me, there's one of the reasons I really like Kenta Maeda this year is, he had a game in April where he's playing the Red Sox and he got drilled, I think in the ankle or the foot by like 111 mile an hour line drive, like knocked him out of the game. So he made his next start and got bombed. I think yep. he gave up like 10 or runs or something like that. And okay. What does common sense tell us? Hey, the guy's foot or ankle is probably still hurting when he was on the mound. And then he actually missed, I think, like a month and a half after that. I don't remember if it was for the ankle, but he, he missed some time. Um, he came back and was like 370 RA the west of the way, 20% came on his walk, uh, 107 whip or something like that. He was really good. But it's like if you look at the season, it's going to tell you a different story. But really like – Okay, this guy left the game injured. His next start, he got bombed, and then he went on the injured list, and then he came back and was a much, much better player. So I pay attention to game logs as a way to kind of like, does anything stick out about pitchers um, that can go back and look, okay, maybe this was around the time he added a new pitch, or uh, maybe this is around time like like Brandon fought, like they moved him to the different side of the rubber, and his, his results were better. So I spent a lot of time on, on pitchers. And then by that point, the projection systems are coming out, steamers out. Um, you know, I, I subscribe to the Masters Ball with Todd Zola. Uh, yep. He does his projections early on as well. And I'll kind of aggregate those. And then I'll just kind of – I'll just look through like position by position and just kind of look and see values and get a feel for, you know, what SGP is saying um, about the upcoming year, you know, what's it saying about certain positions, what it's saying about certain stats – and then I'll kind of just go through and like, do I think anything is is kind of off of playing time? Like last year, I wanted to draft as much brain injury as I could because I felt like all the projection systems were undervaluing his plate appearances. Like, I mean, the Angels paid him. Like he can play all over the place. Like they're gonna they're gonna play this guy as much as they can, um, assuming he's healthy. So, are there any guys like that that kind of stick out from a playing time component to where, yeah, you know what? I think this guy's gonna play more or I think this guy's going to play last and then kind of go through and, and see how I adjust the values. But the hitting projections to me, I think are so good um, that like, I'm not going to outsmart them. You know, maybe there's certain guys where um, our favorite pulled fly ball guys, maybe that's not being captured um, in the, in some of the projection systems. And like, I'll know that about a guy and like, okay, I need to go look and see, and maybe I need to boost his home run rate or, or whatever it is. Um, and give him a little bit more love there. But the, the hitting stuff is usually so good. I kind of just leave those alone. I'm really just trying to read through news, um, look back at the way guys finished the season and kind of get a feel for like, 
all right, what's this guy's role going to be? You know, is he really going to be an everyday guy? Is he really going to be a platoon guy? Where is he going to be hitting at in the lineup? Um, you know, one for me, a, a guy I just uh, drafted for the first time because um, I needed some steals was Michael Garcia. Um, nice. And you know, the roster resource has him hit ninth, but, you know, you look at the way he finished the year, he's hitting leadoff a lot. Um, yep. So it's like if you believe he's going to be a leadoff hitter or at least hitting a much better position than ninth in the order – that's a pretty significant boost to his value, the plate appearances, the counting stats, all that sort of stuff. So just little things like that, just trying to pick up little tidbits here or there to go through and kind of adjust the plate appearances for certain guys to where um, I'll either over-adjust it or under-adjust it to kind of make them pop um, when I'm looking, just like as a reminder, like, oh, yeah, you like this guy. You think that he's better than market value. Yeah, you could definitely get caught, you know, maybe – you know, uh, puffing up a guy's value. I do it mostly just to see, like, what he, like, a player would do. I'll give him more, just like you said, to make it pop and see, all right, what if this guy reaches this level? It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to keep that plate appearance there, but sometimes I just just throw it in the sheet just to see what it spits out. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. That's that's pretty solid. Brandon Joy, I mean, this guy gets no respect. I mean No respect. Every time I hear Pod and I'm like, oh, you know, you gotta worry about Brandon Joy getting traded, then he might not play. Like he's got a last three seasons, a one twelve WRC plus, one twenty four, one fourteen. Last two seasons, uh, twenty eight homers, twenty six homers, two sixty three average, two sixty two average. Who, where is he going that he won't play? Especially on the Angels. Just stop. Everyone Yeah. Just stop. I, I mean I'm surprised he goes where he goes too. Like he just do eligibility. Um, yeah, especially in DCs this time of the year. Like absolutely, uh, first and second. That's which, which like a different one. You don't get a lot of those. And I don't know. I just he he gets no respect. I think he's um, you know, a lot of people are still biased from like his, his the old Brandon Drury, which was never bad in the first place. He just had three crazy seasons where he was just not good but sandwiched on top of that is you know he's got some stretches where uh he's been he's been a good player um without a doubt good old brandon jury um so how do you how do you change your approach for 12 team leagues and 15 team leagues um and have you found yourself like maybe having like some kind of you know uh strategy more preferred for one than the other because it's mm-hmm. just it's i mean i'm just starting to get into i'm just starting to dive into um the online championship adp and um just filling out my sgp she just 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 looking at um like i like bring up the adp board on the nfbc you know where you mm-hmm. can see the colors on on the board and you could just, just try to visualize you know where where you want to be it's it when you do so many 15 teams to start the season and you shift to this, it's, I mean, I see, I see some of the draft boards, the fucking guilds, of course, like he needs the first pick. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, but anyway, course. I'm just like, I, I just start seeing OC boards and I'm like, I, I can't wait to play a 12 team. And yeah, you know, just, because the drafts, I actually love 12 team drafts. I don't really care for the in season because I prefer like really deep, dives and Mm -hmm. and dig i think that's where my edge too is like you prefer the trey cabbages of the world i love trey cabbage i fucking love alex calls of the world give me that every day of my life um 
it's like, oh, great. I'm streaming fucking Tommy Fam. Like, you know, whoopie doo. Like, I know what's going to happen here. You know, there's also 12 Tommy fans available for everybody right. else to grab off the wire. The 15th is more of a battleable. So how do you, uh, I guess, what's your best approach to making sure you understand how to get to both of those leagues? Yeah, great question. Um, so for me, I've kind of settled on, I'll probably do around 10 DCs. And then I typically do three to four OCs and I'll do one main. Um I've only done the main event twice. I, I bombed both of them. Um, but I've had I've had success in OCs and, and DCs, um, windows at a, at a pretty pretty good rate. With with the OCs, I feel like you can I typically really load up on hitters early because there's a lot of guys that are like the like the Freddie Peraltas of the world, like those types of pitchers are just hanging out in those, you know, kind of third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, you know, like last year I drafted a team and uh, I mean, I had to pour one out for this team. Cause like it was in the hunt for the overall, even though I drafted um, Springs, Rasmussen and sale, like oh. I lost all of those guys. And I still like was late in the process was still in the hunt for the overall. I was like, man, if I could have just had one of those guys for a full go um, things could have been a little bit different, but it's like you you go to Maine and it's like people are jumping up like last year Springs and Rasmussen and Detmers and all those guys and then you go to an OC and it's like you can kind of load up on a lot of those guys and just kind of take more of an upside approach um, with your pitching which you know that's what that's what I like to do uh, a lot of those guys that kind of like the big strikeout guys like the guys if they pop they're gonna really 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 pop. Um, and there, there is some risk with that, you know, like I had a couple teams that didn't do well in, in ERA and whip and it's because some of those guys just, just didn't really perform that well. Whereas another team, um, I kind of nailed a lot of those guys. I had Freddie Peralta on that team, um, you know, Springs Rasmus for, for a little while as well, um, had Strider on a couple teams. So that's typically what I'll do for, for 12 teams is I'll shoot for more upside. I want to get a really good hitting base early on, um, and just really kind of tough. Uh, target some upside um, SPs. Um, and sometimes too, you, you get gifts in those drafts too. Like you can be sitting there and, you know, like I, that the last year was like when Zach Wheeler had that minor shoulder deal, you know, but he was fine. I think he was already back thrown yeah. to spring training and, and like he was falling in OCs and like, I mean, he just fell to my lap, like way beyond ADP in one draft. It's like, you kind of get those gifts, whereas 15 teamers, you're not really getting those gifts with pitchers. And um, those are the drafts to where I'll lean more safe with the pitching early on, more ratios based, more guys that can feel good about giving me a workload, giving me some ratios. Um, so that way, as kind of like the draft goes down, my like my uh, my willingness to take a risk just kind of increases as the, as the draft grows. So um that's that's how i took uh treat 15s i mean in dcs are kind of just a different animal um you know one thing i learned from you that i think is probably one of the most important things you can do in dcs is if you aren't drafting at least 10 outfielders you're dead in the water yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like, you're, you're, like i kind of go back and i'll look at the draft board after it's done at, at teams i'm drafting with and i'll see some people drafted seven outfielders like buddy if you don't get mm -hmm. the best health scenario with this group you're toast um because it's not just the outfielders they gotta play five of them every time you set a lineup 
a lot of those guys can be your utility guy as well. Like you better be drafting a ton of outfielders um, or you're in trouble. So, I mean, DCs are just, just kind of their, their different animal. Um, but definitely with OCs, you can take more swings. You can, you know, you kind of, I'm less cognizant of like builds and more trying to just kind of like, okay, like let's target some, some upside guys with the understanding of, I try to be balanced where I can. Uh, whereas a 15 teamer is like, I'm trying to be balanced early on getting safe, reliable stuff. And then maybe taking some risk later on. Yeah. Uh, I like the sound of that. I can't, I mean, um, it's tough when you, I mean, outfielders in a DC is, is such a, such an interesting thing. Cause I feel like there's definitely people who go early and hard and get like three or four every day, solid anchors, which is good. Um, I feel like, like, especially later on in the draft, I mean, after pick like 400, trying to get to your second, third, fourth shortstop or second baseman or third baseman is fucking brutal. Yes. And there is a lot of outfielders out there. And the thing is, um, you know, I've been like treating it like a, like a main event team, you know, so like a 15 team fab league where I'm just essentially trying to find guys that I know I'm going to be able to stream into my lineup at, at various points of the season, you know? Mm-hmm. So if it's a lefty, this thing, it's so many good lefty bats that are just, you know, um, I don't know, not everyday players or vice versa. And you just got to find that good blend of, guys that you're just going to be able to plug into your lineup that you're confident that on a Friday to Sunday, they're, they're going to get two out of three and they can give you some useful stats because you're not going to get five everyday outfielders. Um, not with 15 other owners, uh, 14 other owners in the league, you know, you just really, it's tough. It's tough. You're going to be short somewhere else too, if you yeah. go that route. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's tough. Outfielders, man, it's, I mean, you think about it too, like from a from just like a basic positional standpoint, like you're not you're not platooning your shortstop. Like if you're a pro team, you know, like you're probably not. Maybe you do it with second base, um, but like a lot some of those positions where you're not really platooning those guys. Whereas, I mean, outfield, you're you're doing it, you know, pretty regularly. Um, you know, most teams have kind of figured out, hey, like if you get a couple of good left-handed hitting outfielders, like they're going to have the platoon advantage a lot. So, it just, I mean, there's going to be, you know, like like a guy like Seth Brown, I'm drafting him wherever I can. He goes like pick like 430, like, you know, not not sexy, but um, he's probably going to be in the lineup a lot. He's probably going to give you 20-plus homers. Like he's probably going to give you a few counting stats. Like I'd rather be drafting Seth Brown than trying to figure out like like – what prospect or what bench guy might get some run at middle infield, you know, like, like that's, let me draft more of those guys later on, as opposed to those guys that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've only, I'm sweating bullets. Cause I only have two shortstops or something like that. And I've got to figure yep. out if, can I draft a viable third option here that might actually play a little bit? Yeah. The old, uh, you know, I, I, again, it's just, sometimes you could just, you could have different opinions, but I see the, uh, you know, Gunnar Anderson is going to get platooned. And I'm like, he is right now 28th projected best player, WRC plus for Steamer. Those players don't get fucking platooned. Right. Sorry. 
they don't. They they really yeah. don't. I don't care how brutal he's been for his lefties in his career. Um, he's still young. <laughs> they they're not gonna they're not gonna go to the the park and the fans not fucking revolt if they're showing up and Gunnar Henderson sitting versus lefties all the time. It's yeah. Maybe he'll drop in the order, but it if 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 anyone's using that as an excuse to like be off of him, it's just not right. Because just, if you literally just look up projected WRC plus for steamer and go down the list, none of these guys get platooned. Simple as that. It's just, yeah, it's especially just... reigning rookie of the years and <laughs> it's one thing like, you know, um you know, Rudy from Rasball um reiterated to me one time and it's like I didn't really like why did why don't I think about it like this? But he's like, all these people talk about it. Cause we're like, that was the big talking point with O'Neill Cruz last year. And he's like, people don't understand. Like, okay. You, you think he's bad against lefties. Like that's baked into the projections. Like yeah. it's not like yeah. the projections are not accounting for like how well this guy does against lefting the pitchers and how likely he's going to see lefting and pitchers. Like it's already in there. So it's like, you there. don't have to like, double bake some you know advantage or disadvantage he has against against you know certain handed pitchers it's it's already in the projections yep one thousand percent um all right so let's take a quick spin through your drafts last year um i know your main event you got started off pretty pretty well oh. and you had a little late season crash i was like i was like what happened like you had 84 points and like oh. and then like five weeks later you were down in the 50s like or something like that. I'm like, what happened here? What? How did you? What happened to this oh, team? Was it just injuries? It, um, I kind of joked with you that like it might be therapeutic to just get the the main event demon out of me. Get it out. Um, first off, you know, and I've heard Guilds talk about this a lot before, and like he's like, you know, you can you can kind of screw up a twelve team draft and and be okay if you know what you're doing. Yes. You, if you screw up a 15 team draft, especially in Maine, that's tough. And yep. I, I screwed up my main draft and I went through and I was too focused on making my spreadsheet sing approval as opposed to like building a team and a roster. Yep. And I was like, hell bent on like, okay, I want to get a batting average base. So I'm going to draft Tim Anderson. And my spreadsheets tell me that, you know, catcher SGP and Dalton Varshow's like one of the best values um, in, in all the draft. So I drafted both of those guys, but I didn't realize it um, at the time. You draft those two guys and that's fine. Like, you know, okay, you get some value and they're projected to be valid, more valuable than where they're going, all sorts of things, whatever. Um, but like you're putting yourself way behind in certain other areas. Um, you know, home runs, you know, RBI, um, you know, and if, you know, Tim Anderson goes down, which he did, he was terrible. Your, your batting average just kind of sunk. So um, I kind of put, you know, I kind of hamstrung myself coming out of the draft, but I was still hanging in there because I did pretty good pitching wise. Mm -hmm. uh, drafted Nathan Neovaldi. Um, I, I was, uh, so I was drafting besides Rob Silver, and I was 14th and he was 15th. And I knew he was taking Strider for sure. Um, so I told myself, I was like, if Mookie Betts or Vlad make it to me, I'm taking them and I'm taking the SP that's thereafter. Thinking that he wasn't going to go SP, SP. Well, he did. Um, 
but I was like, man, I was staring at Scherzer McClanahan, and I drafted McClanahan, um, who at the time, I mean, for a while looked really, really good. He got hurt later on, but I still banked a lot of those stats. So I had a pretty good base of ratios. And then I probably didn't stream a single two-start two start pitcher until this guy. I streamed Ben Lively when he had the big, massive blow-up. <laughs> And like people in the Discord were joking about how far people were falling in the standing points in their league. Like I was one of those guys. I think I fell six points that day because I was like, he's been okay. Like I was starting to fall behind in strikeouts a little bit. I was like, let me try to steal, you know, an extra six strikeouts here. Maybe I get a win. Um, to that point, he'd been average, like not good, but but serviceable. And the the kicker was he'd been sitting on my bench for like three weeks. So I threw him in there, and he wrecked it. And then uh, Felix Bautista got hurt. Iovaldi started missing time. Oh, and I think McClanahan yeah. went down as well. So, like, what was kind of ballooning a bad team in the standings, the ratios just really fell off a cliff. So it just kind of all fell apart from there. But um, it was probably – that single team probably taught me more lessons that I already kind of knew, but, like, I needed to relearn – like if you get into that arena when you're drafting, um, you know, it's not, <clears throat> it's not about like gobbling up all the value or, or this or that. It's like, you've got to build a roster. Like you've got to build the stats. You've, you've got to like draft the stats, not, not the value and all that sort of thing. Yeah. You don't want to mm-hmm. jump guys 90 picks, you know, just because you like a guy and he's got certain stats, but like, you know, like if you drafted a, a Tim Anderson, you've got to understand, okay, like, you could be way behind in homers. You could be way behind in RBI. Like, you know, even if he steals you 20 bags, that's not going to be a difference maker in the stolen base department. Like if you draft a Varsho early on, like, okay, like you draft that guy in the top four rounds, you're passing on some mega, mega, mega players, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a second tier starting pitcher, like a Freddie Peralta or something like that, or it's a, you know, really good, um, hitter, um, you know, like you're passing on guys that could really deliver some game changing stats in certain categories. So, um, yeah, I, I screwed up the draft and then the Ben Lively to start just kind of gave my team the, uh, the result it deserved on paper. Um, and it, it didn't help too that like I drafted Miguel Vargas thinking he'd help in stolen bases and batting average didn't do anything. Um, and then the whole Anthony Rizzo deal, I was watching the game when he got hurt, when he had that collision with Tatis. Ugh. And I was like, man, he's banged up. And like they, the reporting, it came out, he was back in the lineup. Um, and I just kept looking at the projections like, oh man, they got Rizzo having a good week. I got to put him in. Oh, they got him having another good week. I got to put him in. Ignoring the fact that like I watched this guy get hurt. I'm watching some of the games. I can see he's not Anthony Rizzo. Why am I not just benching this guy? You know, like you don't have to play this guy just because the projections are telling you he's going to have a weak week. The projections don't know he ran into Fernando Tatis and got hurt. Yeah. Um, so that kind of <laughs> helps sink, sink me in certain areas as well. So um, it was just not a, not a good managing job, but um, learned a lot of lessons that, that hopefully pay off this time in Vegas. Yeah. Well, good. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to build off, off of everything you've learned and try to just, you know, truck forward because that's the biggest thing. And, and that's why I take time going through my teams um, during the season, off season, just really trying to peg. Because uh, I think, you know, there's so much going on 
during the season. We don't depends how many leagues you play. You may not have a time to fully, fully break down, you know, everything that happens with your team. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, you get to do a little look back. I don't, I, I, I look back as much as I can because, you know, the sign up sheet starts pulling me over. Like, just start looking at this year. Rob, fuck last year. <laughs> start drafting. Stop this nonsense. You know, <laughs> that's basically what happens. Um, and so flipped on to the OC side. Um, I did notice that you did really well um, with all your teams, um, not only in at bats, but speed specifically. Um, you know, you really hit that. I don't know if you were just like anticipating the rise or you just hit well with a couple of your main guys. Um, and like just with the at bats, were you just constantly churning out like max, max at bats every week on the wire? Yeah, I was really churning and burning um, with the OCs. I mean, I, I think that's – I think you've just – you've got to do that um, if you want to compete, not just to win your league, but if you want any shortest start of the, shot at the overall. And it's also, too, kind of taught me this year that, like, I want to make sure I have a certain amount of fab money at the end, especially in OCs, because, like, you mentioned it, like, t- 12 Tommy fams are out there, like, it's like a hockey line change with lineups, man. Like yeah. you can get like, like, like core series would come up. I'm like, God, I could add six guys that are playing in cores this weekend for, you know, probably combined 20 bucks. Like, but I've only got 20 bucks for the next three weeks. So I was like, huh, okay. Like, like if you're, you know, kind of cognizant of like matchups and where guys are playing and maybe peeking ahead a little bit, you can really like stream a bunch of guys through there. Um, and especially if you're chasing certain stats. So yeah, I, I, I was churning and burning um, a lot. Um, I thought generally on the hitting side, I had, I had pretty good um, injury luck. Um, I didn't have good knucklehead luck. Wander Franco um, oh. being a, being a weirdo um, hurt a couple of my teams um, pitching side. I didn't have, have great luck, but um, yeah, I did. I wasn't like, I thought stolen bases were going to go up, but I did like go to the draft thinking like I had to hit a target point for him. I just knew that like I needed to get some guys early on that could, that could have so that sort of power speed component. And plus too, like, you know, getting, getting a Cunha um, always helps. I mean, I got him, uh, somebody passed on him in, in one draft. I got him second um, in one draft. I mean, like this is just the beauty of OCs. Like I started one draft, Acuna, Strider, Devers, Wheeler in the first 47 picks. Jeez. It's like, it's just like sometimes the, like the board in the draft just breaks a certain way. Oh, um, beautiful. And then like, it's just, it's just a thing of beauty. And then you can just kind of pick it and choosing, you know, what kind of stats you want to go after and, and where you want to take your risk and all that sort of stuff. So um, that certainly helped, but um, yeah, I just knew that like, I wanted to get a speed guy early on. Um, I mean, I think I drafted Jose Ramirez, Kyle Tucker, and Acuna. Um, and I think I got Acuna in two of my OCs, uh, which really helped as well. But there's also two, a couple of fab, fab pickups. Um, Jake McCarthy on a couple of teams. Like when he got sent down and came back up, um, he was he was the guy that really kind of boosted my stolen bases. And like – I don't know if you, if you recall looking back, but like I remember looking at the overall standings because I had a couple teams that were in contention, and I kept thinking I was doing better in steals than I was. I was like, "Oh man, I've got like 
Acuna and McCarthy and like these guys are stealing bags all the time. And I kept looking, I was like, God, I'm like not gaining any stolen base <laughs> points because like there's just so many steals now. Um, and there's so many of those guys available on the wire as well. So um, it's definitely something that like you're gonna have to think of in OCs this year because um, I think that that's one of the things that's probably most easily available on the wire is you're gonna find some of those guys that can the Britain Doyles of the world and guys yeah. like that, that can, that can give you a little stolen base boost as opposed to the guys like, you know, you're not going to find many huge power guys and you're definitely not going to find many batting average guys on the wire, even in, even 12 team OCs. Yeah. The wire for the OCs was a little different this year than I think the past couple of years. I don't know if it's just heavy, like the heavy, more platoon um, influenced, environment just made for like a lot of less i think clear-cut improvements in terms of like i'm keeping this like this looks like a guy for a good month or two yeah. months you know um this seems like i don't know i was less less willing to turn this year i don't know why i just stuck to my players um your safe strategy in your oc uh all four of your teams had at least 76 percent tile um of the overall save points, a um, couple teams at 87 and a half. What's your, what is your safe strategy for OCs? Are you um, a couple early or you're picking like maybe three or four scattered throughout the draft? Uh, definitely one early one, um, mm-hmm. but not like, you know, I took Hater in one of them um, just because, I mean, I took him at pick 42. I don't remember what his ADP was then, but I, I want to say that he kind of fell um, to a place. Um, uh, but I want to get one of those early guys that I know has got the job. Like, um, Kenley Jansen for me last year was, was a guy I wanted just because, um, I feel like you could bank the saves with him. Um, you know, you know, the ratios weren't going to be as shiny and bright as, as some of those other guys, but like you could, you could bank the saves with him. Like I want to make sure I got one. And then I wanted to kind of in the middle rounds, um, take a shot at a guy that I thought had a, had the job or at least had good upside to get a job and, and go running with it. Um, I think I had Alexis Diaz on at least one team, but um, definitely wanted to leave the draft room with at least one of those guys. I like, okay, this guy is locked in the job. If he doesn't get 30 saves, something's gone wrong. He's probably got hurt. Um, and as we know, typically those guys don't really get hurt that often. Um, and then like, cause I'm not, I'm definitely not good at it in 15 teamers fabbing saves. I'm just not good at it. Um, but another thing, it's like the OCs, like it just reaches a certain point where like, there's a bunch of guys just hanging out there, you know, like, like Trevor may, I remember going to the discord with everybody and celebrating every time Trevor may got a winner <laughs> to save, you know, like everybody was kind of riding the Trevor may train when yep. he got hot and like, you know, the, or, the A's weren't winning a ton of games, but when they won games, they typically were in a save situation. So, um, there's just a lot of guys on the wire that like, if you're really paying attention, you're kind of peeking ahead and you're noticing usage and things like that. Um, and if you needed a third guy, you could, you could get a third guy um, off the wire, but, but really just using one of those guys early on um, a lot of Kinley Jansen. Um, I drafted a lot of Carlos Estevez last year as well. Cause another one I was like, I, th- I think he's got a hold on this job. I think he's going to get 30 saves. Um, let me just bank those saves and, and deal with the ratios with my starting pitchers. Man, Trevor May. Tell you Loved it. About- that was so much fun, that little run he had. Um, I had a story about Trevor May. My 15-team auction league, 
Trevor May, I didn't need saves, and I have him on my team. He was so good in in the scope of how often a save guy came up on the wire in 15-team leagues, high-stake league. He was so good that I didn't drop him because I didn't want anyone catching up to me <laughs> by getting Trevor May. That seriously, I played defense I, with Trevor May. I had to. I had to. There was two guys behind me that I knew with a death could they I saw their fab tendencies and they were completely just just speculating week after week, turning two guys in and out. Like the next man up, the eighth man, like trying to trying to time them not you know pitching Saturday, Sunday, maybe they're going to save Monday. I I was so aware of the tendency of no way am I putting Trevor May out there because they'll, they'll catch me, you know? And I'm like, not going to do it. Fucking Trevor May, go figure. You have to retire. It would have been a perfect th round 38 pick this year. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, there have been the same question. Oh, you know, like it's it's the the projections say this, and you know, K minus BB, and oh man, I'm 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 all in on Trevor May round 38. Oh, lock man. him in. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Poe Hitter Podcast. Me and Dustin will continue our conversation on the next episode, where we will be talking about 2024 players to be avoiding, players to be in on, and strategies for online championships and the current draft champions landscape at the moment. All right. Don't be a bag of shit. Peace.